our special Wednesday morning feature. Every Wednesday after the 11 o'clock news, we are joined by two guests in the studio, usually Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer, uh, and that is the case today. Welcome to both of you. Morning, Jim. Occasionally you. we've had folks uh, fill in when the guys can't make it for one reason or another, and that's fine, but we always like to have our two heavy hitters with us. Um, this program, this next part of the program, indeed, is about... Well, it's about a whole lot of things. It's about political philosophy. It's about attitudes towards life. It's about a whole lot of things. And, and our, our two guests today um, tend to view the world, I think, from slightly different perspectives. And some people would say from radically different perspectives. Uh, that's what drives this portion of the program. We do talk about issues that are out there, things that are important to the community, to the world at large, and sometimes just individual issues. And we try to take a look at them from the perspective of someone who, as I've said many times, is generally to the right of center, someone who's generally to the left of center, and someone who's sort of in the center. That would be me. Um, recognizing that those boundaries are artificial at best, and sometimes we all will move around within that continuum. Uh, the, the, the question I have this morning for you guys is, is this. There, there, there's a story in the paper, and it's not a new story, uh, about the Western faculty voting as to whether they're going to unionize their faculty or not. Now, the, uh, the context of this, folks, is that, that some people, some of the activists, the union activists, believe that that they are being, uh, I guess, abused by by the administration, and they're being shut out of the process. It'd be the, for the the phrase that uh, factory was used. They're turning it into a factory, um, and and the union people claim that their their wish is to restore a professional environment. Uh, people on the other side say that's nonsense. That there's more consultation with the faculty and so on, and more faculty participation and decision making than at most other institutions of higher learning in Canada and that this is kind of a red herring, that there's, there are other issues at work here in terms of getting the, get, quote, getting the union in, uh, and whatever that may mean. Um, Jeff Schlemmer, of course, uh, does some work at Western, does uh, uh, teach up there at Western, and uh, I'm going to start with you, Jeffrey. Uh, first, I'm, I'm assuming that you're in support of this drive to unionize. Well, I've got my union card out right here. I have to tell you that uh, I'm, I, well, I was until Bill 7 went through a member of the Brewery General and Professional Workers Union, and we became the first lawyers to unionize uh, in 1994 when uh, Bill 40 went through, which made it legal for lawyers to be unionized mm -hmm. in the first place. And I guess from my perspective, uh, Yes, I, I would support it if people want it, that uh, these are things that are voted on, but uh, that uh, the faculty at Western are smart people who can figure out for themselves whether there's an advantage to having a union or not, that they would be paying dues, obviously, so they're going to have to get something in return for that. Um, you know, and, and I would trust them to figure out whether it is advantageous. I recall back in the 70s um, when I was at Western uh, taking a course in industrial relations, and at that time um, the thesis was that good management doesn't get unions. You know, that unions arise as a result of problems with management. Mm -hmm. And at that time, Western uh, was sort of proud of the f fact that nobody was unionized at Western. And then uh, several years after that, the uh, support staff unionized. And um, so I guess this, this may be the next logical step. And I would, would wonder sort of what's going on. Now, what I suspect is going on is that there have been substantial cuts at universities. There's under a lot of financial pressure. Uh, it's, it's tight times there, and that when times get tight, um, you know, people start looking for uh, for ways of protecting their jobs and things like that. Um, but generally, unions, from my perspective, obviously, I, I like my union. My union's been very good to me um, and solved a, uh, a situation uh, with my employer. Um, and I think that people who are not familiar with sort of uh, the inside workings of unions are often see them as being much more... Um, 
they, they demonize them. And uh, the experience I've had with unions in town, particularly the CAW union, has been terrific. They've done wonderful work around uh, social issues and things. Uh, but I recognize that their unions have had problems. If you want to look at the Teamsters and mm -hmm. some of their history in the past and so on. But generally, unions, from my perspective, are a uh, uh, an organization that comes in to redress a power imbalance if there's some problem. And uh, again, if there's a problem, you have to ask, well, what's management doing about it? Robert? Um, you know, I, I'm listening to Jeff, and, and I think there's two sides to the, to the whole union picture. I think the side that the public sees isn't the one that you just talked about where you can take a personal issue to, you know, to your union rep and have it dealt with, which I'm not quite sure why you would think a union would be better than a voluntary um, employee organization or association, but right. maybe you can get back into that later. Yeah. But I think the public generally sees um, unions myself, you know, and a lot of people I know, you see unions as, as lobby groups. Uh, you're, you're adding more politicization of the campus environment rather than trying to fight against it. But ironically, I think, to, to, in part, the teachers are saying or the professors are saying that that's what they want to fight. So, uh, you know, if, as you say, Jim, they're, 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 they feel abused by the administration and that they're being put into this factory situation, I would say that's in large part due to the way the, the campus is being funded and the government cutbacks and the whole relationship that really so, shouldn't be there. So is this is this move to unionization, is it an attempt to deny reality? That the reality is that we, are, we do have budget cuts, we don't have the money we had, we are going to have to restructure, but the union, in this case, it seems that the union's position would be, although it's not extant yet, but the union's position obviously would be, no, we're going to oppose all this, we're going to oppose these changes. Is this... King Canute trying to hold the uh, well stop this, the, the the waves from crashing on the shore. This is what worries me is is when it gets politicized to the point where the unions start having a, an almost equal say in the in the running of the institution when really that is the administrator's uh, responsibility, and they're the ones who uh, get the flack for it or the or the praise for it depending on how well things go. Um, you say is, is you know unions are trying to are they trying to protect people from reality yeah to some degree uh, I mean unions have traditionally begin you know been against having competitive labor uh, allowing people to compete for wages and things like that but um, that's a given with the union I think uh, in terms of the of the specific problems that they have on campus I really don't know of anything specifically uh, are there any mentioned in that article today that, that well, just uh, the idea that it's being turned into an education factory. There are cutbacks, and, and not just this article, but the background in it, it too. That's in Jeff. Perhaps you maybe can have more insight into it than I do. But the sense is that there have been a lot of changes. That there are a lot of pressures on on uh, faculty. There have been uh, downsizing, uh, not only of faculty but of non-faculty staff. That that uh, some people feel is impacting negatively on education. Now, I, one thing that occurs to me that's, that's sort of interesting as I think through it, and that is that uh, with university um, faculty, they've already got one of the things that most people look to from a union and that is tenure uh, within the university system as you know right now that uh, if you're there a certain number of years and you're promoted to a full professorship then you have tenure which basically means you can't be fired mm -hmm. uh, for all practical purposes and uh, often for people who unionize uh, that's one of the the main reasons you do it and that is under the law if you're not in a union you can be fired any time the only remedy you have in law is damages that is you can get paid uh, a certain amount of time until you find a new job yeah. if you're in a union you actually cannot be fired you have a right to keep your job sort of on good behavior and provided that the company isn't laying off uh, 
um, you can't be fired at will, basically. We should make that point, too, which has been made uh, on this program and also on our Ask the Experts program with the Mikes, uh, Izanga, and Peerless, the lawyers who join us uh, once a month, uh, that in, in our society today, a lot of people don't realize this, you can be fired for no reason at all. Yep. if you're not a member of a union or a protective organization. Right. And that's well within the employer's rights. And the idea is that if the employer no longer has a use for your services, there's no, there's no reason why he should be compelled to keep you. But a lot of people don't understand that. If he doesn't like the color of your eyes, he can fire you. Uh, yeah, no well, yeah, not legally, but he uh, oh, pra pra practically he'll have yes. to pay damages. Yeah. But you won't, well, you won't get your job back. A yes. a yeah. judge it also depends if there's a written contract in place that, that you can have recourse yeah, to. Exactly. But in the absence yes. of that, yes. yes that, yeah. that's true. In the absence of that, we are at the mercy of our employers. The same as they are at our mercy because we also can leave it to, at any time sure. for any reason. Now, one thing that's particularly interesting about West, Western, and uh, one of the, the questions you had posed was about the automatic uh, dues checkoff and whether you should have to pay dues if you choose not to be yes. a member of the union. Well, of course, you know where that started. That uh, the it's called the Rand formula. Rand formula. Mm -hmm. That it's named after uh, Dean Ivan Rand, who was a justice of the Supreme Court of Canada, who also was the first dean of law at the University of Western Ontario. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, it uh, it's sort of an interesting little tie in there that he's the guy who figured out this compromise as a way of making labor things work back in the fifties. Uh, so it's to not say a it, compromise; it's a complete capitulation of one side <laughs> to the other. Yes, before uh, I was born, I don't know <laughs> what it was about, but I suspect that both parties, you know, were at loggerheads and that he worked this thing out. But anyway. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see what the what the um well I do want I want to talk about that because that's yeah. one of the that's one of the sticking points of this whole business and and I have told this story before about my father who worked uh, uh, in an industry here in the city and uh, particularly in his later years and was forced to, compelled to join a union um, and and the union had really nothing to do with his particular job within the company um, they did negotiate some very minor salary increases for him but they also took the company out on strike four times during the 12 years that he worked there and he figured out that they actually cost him thousands of dollars of money that he never recovered from losing during that period of time. I had the same experience. And, and his, uh, his beef was that not only did they compel him to, to, to not to work, which he, I guess to a point, was prepared to live with. Um, he recognized the realities and some of the beefs that some of the other people had in the corporation. But he never could figure out. Uh, let me rephrase that, he figured it out, but he never approved of the idea that he had to pay dues nonetheless. Even though patently and observably and provably this union was working to his personal detriment, he still had to pay the dues. Yeah, when, and of course the rationale for that, as I understand it, is that uh, that uh, if the union is there theoretically trying to advance your interests, that you should participate in funding the union, that, that the concern, I guess, from the standpoint of the unions was that people will take advantage of wage increases that are negotiated by the unions and yet not contribute anything to the yeah, costs, the legal what, costs. But what if you don't stuff. get them? Well, and that's another thing. And what, what would be wrong with opting out? What would be wrong with saying, I do not choose to join the union in this plant, and, and uh, I will negotiate my salary, I will negotiate my wage with my employer directly. I don't want your protection union, thank you very much. If the unionized guys get more money than I do, then God bless you, go to it. But I'm not going to do that. Yeah, well, I, and I don't know. I, I, I'm not up on the rationale for that. I know that Dean Rand was considered to be a smart guy and that he probably had a good reason for doing well, what he my did. Dad, my dad didn't think he was very smart. I'm just saying. 
<laughs> it's supposed to be a smart judge. Anyway. Well, it didn't benefit. Well, yeah, no, we, he didn't help him. No, that's fine. I, I understand that. And I understand that it's offensive to be required to, to belong to any organization you don't feel like belonging to, and then to contribute so you, to so one. So you agree that it's offensive. Uh, so obviously you don't support it. Then. Well, the first thing is you don't have to belong to it. You have to pay for it. Well, that's different. I, well, I can't that, see that. What's that difference? Well, and, that, and, and this raises, like, for instance, this came up at Fanshawe College a few years ago where there's a question about people who are on the faculty association having to pay union dues to whichever union it was, which then paid um, money to the NDP to yes. support the NDP. Yeah. And the question was, should the staff members who don't like the NDP have to be funding their campaigns? Mm -hmm. And I can or see even that. the ones who do like the NDP. Should somebody be forcing them to fund the NDP? That's, that's an entirely inappropriate use of, of, of union money, and that's why... Uh, people regard unions as a lobby group. To me, again, the whole issue of unions is voluntarism versus force. Are you allowed to join a union voluntarily? Like in my mind here, I'm thinking about this uh, union on campus as being voluntary, and I'm going, oh my goodness, what am I thinking? No, that's not the way it is. Everybody's going to be forced to join it, including the ones that don't want to. If the majority vote for it. Why does the majority have power over minority? Like, uh, you know, can't I belong to the clubs I want to, but because five people want to belong to Club X, i got to be forced to be in that club? Well, and when you, t when you talk about the idea of having uh, voluntary opting out and saying, I'll negotiate my own pay and, and negotiate my own um, discipline and all that stuff, I, I think that would be an interesting idea because I, I happen to think in the negotiations that I've done in my life that unless you have some base of power, you're not going to get very far. And if an individ individual tries to negotiate with GM and GM doesn't, you know, doesn't, yeah, but not political happy with power. Them. They'll be gone. Your power should be your skills and what you have to offer in trade in exchange for what your employer wants. That's your power. But you if you don't have the skills he wants, you've got no power. You can have all the unions in the world. They're not going to get you a job. And I think we are seeing more of that in the sense that we're seeing far more contracting out. We're far, seeing far more uh, subcontracting of work. We're seeing far more people working on contracts who are their own, you know, their own... Uh, a bargaining agent, if you like. I think that that is a trend. However, from my standpoint, if I was bargaining for anything, whether it's wages or whatever, I think that I'll be much more effective if there's a bunch of me in it together. Okay, guys, we're going to pause for just a moment. The lines are open, 643-1290, star-1290 on the Cantel. It's left, right, and center on 1290 CJBK. It's left, right, and center with Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz. We're talking this morning about the unionization of the University of Western Ontario. Uh, UWO faculty is going to vote on that, and, and, and my question to the guys was, is this appropriate? Is this the kind of, of, uh, of working group that should be unionizing? Is, is, is the proper atmosphere for an institution of higher learning to be politicized like this? And, and what about this issue of paying dues, too? I mean, if you don't want to join, should you be forced to, and should you have to pay dues? We've got uh, Bill, who's been waiting. Hi, Bill. Hi, how you doing, Jim? Fine, thank you. Um, I don't see anything wrong with them being uh, unionized because, like the doctors, they have an association which is like a union. Yeah. And uh, if you know if it's a d democratic vote and fifty-one percent decide to have them, then they should have them. Should the other forty-nine percent be forced to join? Oh, I think they should because what Justice Rand uh, proposed when when he put through that legal stuff and. Uh, Another thing, it's like a government, you know, if I don't vote for a government, I still have to abide by what the majority wants. Do you think Demo that's right, Bill? Dem Democratic. So if, if democratically the majority decided to do something that you regarded as immoral, would you go along with it? I don't, I wouldn't want to, but you might have to, but I don't consider yeah, unions I, I, immoral. I, well, I think forcing someone to do something against their will is immoral. That's the, that's the basic premise of immorality, isn't it? Well, you can say that about anything. What you, you can want. say, yes, you can. Well, I, I want to go through a red light, but they're forcing me to stop. Oh, no, that's a different issue. 
Why would you compare the two things? How is it well, you're just Bob? saying immoral, so I don't know what your definition no, well, of let's, immoral let's is. Let's find out, Bob. How is that different? Well, it's interesting that people generally, whenever you want to uh, say that you have the right to make your choices, you know, that they refer to some traffic situation. Well, you can't go I'm not through a, lawyer, a stop sign or a red light. Bill, 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 let, let Bob answer if you would. Yeah. The difference in a, in a traffic situation is that everyone's being treated equally. Everyone is abiding by a law. No one's forced to make... To, 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 to be told where they can go in traffic, that's the mechanism is there so that you can have the choices. If you were allowed to go through a red light, uh, you wouldn't have any choice of where to go that would be deadly to you. I mean, the reasons are obvious. This is not the case in economics. People generally take the physical or, or political and start applying it to economics. It's not all about economics, though. It's about working conditions, too, which would affect all the, all the workers that were in the bargaining unit. Well, don't you think the people who don't want to be in a union have reasons not to want to be in a union? And shouldn't they have the same choice as the people who, who want to be in the union? But, but you understand what Justice Rand proposed, that they're going to get the well, same he, benefits he broke, whether well, they're he, paying or not. So eventually the union's going to go under because people are going to say, well, he's getting the same and he's not paying. Well, so listen, you're, it's a, it'd be a union killing thing. Well, then it wouldn't, you wouldn't have to give the same benefits. I'm not arguing for no, that. No, you know the employer would because when, when a plant well, tries to unionize, the employers usually try to uh, stop the union from going through. So, Bill, what like, if, what look if, at the Michelin plant yeah, Bill, in Nova Scotia. Bill, it's Jim here. I just, I just want to ask you a, a philosophical question here then. Okay. Is it okay then to compel you to do something you don't want to do for the good of the rest of society? Is that okay? Um... I guess so. Okay, no, that's fair enough. I just want to make the make make everybody understand that that's what you believe. So, if the government came along tomorrow and said to you, Bill, you've got to do so, you've got to put your kids in daycare because we think it's best for the society, and a majority of people support it. How would you feel about that? Well, one thing I like, there you're talking about economics. I mean, no, I no, no, I, no, 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 don't duck the question. Come on, Bill, it's a fair question. Well, I would say I wouldn't mind putting my kids in for a few days, but I don't know if I'd want them in there all the well, time because the, I'd like to teach them too. Bill, what if the government said to you, Bill, here's the deal, majority of people believe that all kids should be in full-time daycare <clears throat> and, and your kids are going in daycare whether you like it or not. Well, I wouldn't like that. But would you do it? Oh, I don't know. If they threaten to throw me in jail, maybe. I can't really say. Probably not. Well, wh why wouldn't you do that? Why would you think it's okay for Justice Rand to compel you to join the union if you didn't want to, but it's not okay for Justice to whoever to, uh, in enforcing the law, to say, Bill, your kids are going in daycare. I don't understand where you see there's a difference there. Well, and I'm not saying you shouldn't believe what you believe. I'm just asking wh how, why you see there's a difference. What's the difference? Well, I guess the difference to me is that I, I believe in unions and, and that they... Uh, well, that's no answer. That's not an answer, though. With, well, all, with all due respect, that's not an answer. It's, it, it's, it's, the same it's the same argument, and I'm asking you the question, why do you believe in one but not in the other? Is it just because one's more convenient than the other? Um, or is it something? And I, re I really want to know. I'm not trying to abuse you at all. I'm, okay, I, really I understand. Want to know. I understand. I just, I just believe in the union movement. I, I don't know how to, to describe. I believe in that it helps the workers out. You know that they believe they should have a share in the profits. Sure. Okay. That that's all fine. But but what about again? If the majority of Canadians believed that it helps. I guess if you're going to ask me, I 
I don't agree with everything. If the majority agrees with something that I'm totally against, then I guess I can see your point. Yeah. But I'm just saying that I'm pro-union. That's, well, that's all. fine. But, but you understand why some people would think that the RAND formula is not a good thing. You understand that? Yeah, I can see that. Okay. But, I mean, that would be their belief system, right? Yep. You see, but, the, but I think what the difference is between you and me, Bill, is that I would take your belief in unions and say, yes, you're entitled to it. You have a freedom of belief and that you can practice what you believe. You but you're telling me that because that I don't believe in unions and I'm in a situation where a union's going to be forced on me, I cannot have that same freedom. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying, but all I'm saying, though, is that if you got the same benefits as me, which you know that if you're, if you're logical, you would probably believe that the employer would give it to you because they don't want a union in there in the first place so then all these guys see you not paying so then they opt out of the union so eventually your union goes under and that was the that was the reason why justice Rand put that in well so what you're saying, what you're saying is saying, the only the only clout a union has is force and that the only thing a union has to to even justify itself is this use of force. And well, that's what management has. In this management case, has force is trying to be a balanced have force. Oh, right. I think that the person who pays, signs your paycheck every week has a lot of force. He can't force <laughs> you to work for him. He can't force you to. You <laughs> say do management that, does not have force. So how do they decide no. what you get paid then? That's a that's a negotiation you have. Yeah, it's but like circumstances a, can force you to work there. The, don't run the organization. They just want to say in it, eh? Yeah. Bill, like a little bit of a little bit of. A little bit of say with working conditions and wages, yeah. like with uh, if there's profits being made and such, you know. Okay, P appreciate the call, Bill. Want a voice in the wilderness? Okay, thanks for the call. Okay, um, but Bob, I mean seriously, circumstances are not forced, Jim. Circumstances well, are circumstances. Mother Nature does not coerce. Coercion is a human-to-human -human factor. When we talk about using force in society, we're talking about Mr. A forcing Mr. B, not the weather forcing you, not the conditions of nature. What about your own desires forcing you? What about your, your desire to provide for a family in a stable situation? Don't you think that's force? Well, that, uh, Apply it upon yourself? It's a responsibility and it's a social force or a moral force that impels you to act. But it it's force. But it's force. No, it's not force. Negotiations are all about force. You know, when, when the management says this is what you're going to get paid, whether well, you like it or not, that's force. You're, 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 no, no, you're out of context. First of all, there's two different issues. You're dealing with the political one. Jim's dealing with, with nature and mother nature. I could say that, that there are tremendous forces on the surface of the sun, but we're, we're not no, talking no, no. about no, that no, no, kind no, of no, thing. No, 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 you're ducking the question. Like, Bill, no, but the point I was trying to get at here was the, the, the idea for you to say that management has no has no force in the situation, has no power in the situation. Oh, it, uh, it indeed does. It's well, the employer. But the, the individual may find him or herself a victim of uh, internally generated force. They may have to have that job. It's, fair, it's fine for you to say you don't have to take the job. Well, you may have to take the job. You may not have an option. There may not be another job around that you can do. You may have a mortgage payment and a car payment and, t and, and dental so payments So then you the choose to take that job instead of not taking the job. You still have the choice of not taking the job, but then the mortgage and all those other things you just talked about mm -hmm. are going to catch up on you. So, but, but, so you don't think there's any force being applied or there's any pressure that's on not, that individual? That's not my definition of force. Force, again, is it ha it's physical force. It comes down to the physical. And if you're taking my money out of my pocket or you're threatening me with jail, if you can't get the money out of my pocket, you're, you're planning to, to rule my life for me and make my decisions for me, mm -hmm. my options in life, that's where force comes okay, in. Well, that's what management does. But what about if I'm going to take your house away and I'm going to take your car away and I'm going to take your kids away because you can't support them if you, yeah. don't, if you don't take the job? Well, then, then I'll have the house kids and everything else taken away if I don't do that. That's right. And you don't see that as being 
kind of a, a complicating factor when we talk Absolutely, about Absolutely, but I don't call it labor? force. I don't call it force. Okay. Yeah. Let's go back to the phones with caller Larry. Hi, Larry. Hi, Jim, uh, Bob, and uh, Jeff. Hi. Yes, um, I don't think a person should be forced to pay union dues. And the reason being, I was with the federal government for 21 years, from 1975 to 1996, at Wolsey Barracks in London here. Yeah. We paid union dues from day one, and we were told if you don't pay union dues, you've got no job protection. Mm -hmm. yep. this, is when, this is when the Maroonie government was in power. Well, I actually started when Trudeau was in power, and then I worked for the Maroonie years, and yep. then John Cretchen comes into power. Mm -hmm. When the rumor became reality, we started uh, losing our jobs because the federal government cut back. Yep. Daryl Bean, I, I, should, I don't know if I should mention his name or not, was a, a national president with the department, with the PSAC. Yeah. And um, we just lost our jobs through federal cutbacks, and they went to contract cleaners. Mm -hmm. and I mean, me, I paid union dues without complaint from, from my first paycheck to the last paycheck. Yeah. So I, I feel that a person should not be forced to pay union dues, and that was a case in point that it did not put a blanket over me at all. They didn't deliver and the other for workers it. either. They didn't deliver what they promised, did no, they? No, they did not. They, they told you, if you pay union dues, you got job protection. Mm -hmm. They cannot lay you off. They cannot, you know, the whole nine yards. But, yep. well, they just literally stabbed us in the back. Sure, they mm -hmm. give us a bio, but that's not the point. I'd rather have my job than the bio. There you go. Larry. I got a job now. I, I, I'm literally just existing now. Yeah. Larry, thanks for the call today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. And uh, Bruce joins us. Hi, Bruce. Morning, gentlemen. Yes, sir. Um, it's my understanding, I don't know if this is right, I'm sure maybe somebody there knows better than me, that if <clears throat> the place I'm working at is, is then organized by a union, not already unionized when I get my job there, if for whatever personal reasons I just decide that I don't want any part of it, that yes, I may have to sign a union card and you know become a quote-unquote a member, but it is my option not to support them financially, I still have to pay the same amount of money as everybody else who, in union dues, but it's my option to have it redirected to a charity. Is that not true? Uh, well, first of all, uh, you can't be required to sign a union card, okay, so you don't have to belong oh, to okay. union. But uh, my understanding of the RAND formula is that you can be required to participate in paying union dues. Uh, I haven't heard of uh, being able to re redirect the money elsewhere. I, I haven't heard of that either, but maybe one of our... Well, I know we have a number uh, of union listeners. Maybe they could phone and tell us. Do you know anything about uh, that? Well, I remember there was discussion about it, mm -hmm. but I don't recall it ever becoming a fact. Yeah, I don't think it was... No, okay, because that, 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 was, that was just my understanding that, yeah, you couldn't force me to... Well, I guess, as, as, as you just said, you can't force me to join the union. Mm -hmm. And if I don't want any part of it, then I should. Then I'm. I have the ability to say I don't. You know, I don't want to be a member of the union, nor do I want to support it financially. Well, as I, guess, I think we're three of us are agreed. As far as we know, that's not the case. You you will be forced to support it financially. Oh. Although when you when you now that you think I'm thinking about it, it seems to me that there was discussion about that around the Fanshawe issue, and I don't know how it came out or what it was about, whether it was a proposal or whether. But wasn't or wasn't that when it, again I'm a little fuzzy on it too. But wasn't that specifically about the amount of money that might be donated to the political party? Yes. Rather than all of the dues, per right. se. That's right. But they were saying that if you don't support the NDP, there was some discussion of, well, okay, that part of money can go to someplace else, yeah. a charity or something. Uh, Bruce, we're going to have to ask our listeners if one of them perhaps has a little more uh, up-to-date knowledge on this than okay. we do. Yeah, thanks yeah. for the thanks. call today. Take bye -bye. care. Bye-bye. 643-1290. Andrew's with us. Hi, Andrew. Hey, Jim. Yes, sir. I was just wondering, uh, talking about unions and stuff, I was just wondering if your guests there had any experience with, instead of going with a union, if the workers got together and just hired a lawyer and just paid a monthly in case there's any problems in the future and stuff like that. That's a great like idea. Like a labor, a labor lawyer. Well, you can do that, and of course, you can also have an association, an employee association, where you uh, are not uh, formally recognized as a union by the government, but that you uh, but the work together. The problem with a lawyer, what, what's a lawyer going to do for you? 
Well, just, you know, in case there's any problems with the plants, like well, say, the problem, working conditions or something. Like, if, I believe, you know, yeah, that's no problem. But if what you want is a lawyer who would protect your job, it can't happen. Because the, the employer, without in the absence of a union uh, or collective bargaining agreement, the, the, lawyer, the, uh, the employer can fire you tomorrow for no reason. And there's nothing the lawyer can do about it. Yeah, I have no problems with that. If you're, like, unskilled, I don't say... That's one thing I have a problem with, lawyer, or with unions is, like, mm-hmm. got an unskilled guy there and a guy that's really skilled now. They're making the same wage, you know. That's yeah. I, I think uh, we should follow the law more, like the labor laws instead yeah. of the unions. All righty. Thanks for the call today. Right, Take care. One, one point that raises for me, though, is that, uh, of course, some of the unions, particularly the Canadian auto workers, have sort of the opposite, which is as a member of the union, you, op- or you can participate in their legal services, which mm-hmm. is a legal program, almost like OHIP, if you like. Yeah but for legal services where you get your... And a great idea. I think that's one of the, uh, to my mind, that's one of the outstanding pluses of, of, of unions are those kinds of programs where, yeah. where again, you use uh, 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 purchasing power, if you will, or buying in bulk. Bulk buying. Bulk right. buying to, 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 you know, I think in that sense, um, I think there's a very positive role to union, for unions to be played. And I, when I hear stories like that program, and like one of our callers talked about uh, about CAW being, or you, you talked about CAW being very involved in a lot of uh, social, social issues. issues and things, and I think that's, you know, personally, I think that's great. And I applaud them for doing that. I have a little trouble more on the on the, the on political the political side yeah. of it, but but certainly in my mind, and, and having read a lot about, it, and I just read a book uh, about the. Uh, the uh, uh, the big strike in Windsor right after the war there you know, the Ford strike in Windsor which was a horrible horrible story um, but again you know you could see you see why people were pushed you see why they went that far yeah the other thing that occurs to me you know when you talk about uh, the unions donating to the NDP that you've got when you look at the donations by large corporations to the Liberals and the Tories and the Reform Party and the you know to me it's just the same kind of thing that uh, the NDP are avowedly a pro union party and they say they'll support union legislation and support unions it sort of makes sense that they would you know try and get that government elected well, let me ask Bob about that too because it seems to me that the the counter argument would be that uh, uh, that no one is forced to own stock in those corporations who contribute to those parties is that the counter argument um, I'm not sure if that's the exact sequitur to to what uh, Jeff just said. Um, uh, what was your say that point again, Jeff? Well, just that just that I know the Bank of Montreal, for instance, gives a million dollars each year to the Liberals and to the Tories. I know that Eaton's gives a, a big chunk of money to the Reform Party, for instance, because they feel that those parties will support oh. their their organizations. Yeah, they do that out of their profits, though. Yeah, no, I which, know. Which is a separate thing, and that's technically their money. You know, getting back well, to... Well, no, technically, isn't it the shareholders' money? They didn't ask well, the shareholders whether they wanted to contribute to a, to a political party. Uh, I think that they do, in a way, because if, uh, if the shareholders disagreed strongly enough, I, you'd, I'd, I think you'd see those uh, contributions stop. But wouldn't you, couldn't you say the same thing? Because I know you're opposed to the union contributing. Are you not to the NDP? Oh, absolutely. Well, it could, uh, but, 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 but I'm not. I'm not opposed to the union contributing to the NDP. I'm opposed to the union forcing dues from its members, mm-hmm. and even from its so-called non-members. Yeah, but you said earlier that you also thought it was inappropriate to use that money to 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 support a particular party. Yes, well, because the, the, because the money was coerced from the members. It wasn't voluntarily given. Well, whereas what's, what's the difference? Whether profits earned are are exchanged on a free market. You know, it gets back to this force issue. No, again. no, it doesn't. No, wait. Before you <laughs> get back, to, no, it doesn't. Before you get there, before you go that far. Back up a minute. Well, because I, I want to make sure I understand this. You're saying that, that the union, which takes money without, essentially without asking, let's say that, it takes money without asking from its members. You have to give the money. Right. We don't ask your permission. Like you give, give us the dough. It's just like a tax. So you give us the dough, we're going to spend it on the NDP, whether you like it or not. Right. Now, the corporation 
Same situation. We're going to spend that money whether you like it or not. What same situation? Well, the, Wh whose money are they taking? Okay, they are taking. They are taking the money of their members, the people who own that corporation. All of those profits, all of those profits, belong to the shareholders. Now, the management says, well, we're not going to give you all of the profits. Some of the profits we're going to give to the federal liberals. Now, your point that you made a moment ago was, shareholders, if they don't like that, they can undertake to do whatever they have to do and change the management. Right. Well, I would Technically, suggest, they're the owner. And I would suggest to you that the same thing in the union. If the union members don't like it, they can undertake, undertake to change their elected representatives and stop doing it. I don't see the difference. And in Boy. fact, that is a big controversy. Yeah, well, I don't right see now. the difference. Members in a union can can elect their representatives, but they can't. Uh, you know, it's a, the difference is the money from the members in the union is being coerced from them. They're, and the money's being coerced from the stockholders. You're not, if I'm a, being coerced if I'm a stockholder and they give money to the liberals instead of giving it to me, they haven't asked my position. They asked my permission. They've taken that money without my leave. I. You know, you're dealing not, I think you're looking at a separate issue. The issue you're dealing with in a large corporation with huge stockholders is, is an issue of fundamentally what I would call de democracy and, and, the, and the flaws in any system that works on a majority rule system. And, uh, but I look at the shareholders as, as, say they're a single owner, just a single mm -hmm. owner, okay? And that if the bank does something that that owner disapproves of or the administration does something that the owner disapproves of, they have the recourse to change that. And so do the union members not to change the profit situation. They have the recourse to change their representative. They, they, if, if the issue came up and if enough members of that union said, I don't want to give my money to the NDP. Which the CAW said in the last provincial yeah, election, by and, the way. And people can run within that union on that platform. Elect me and we'll stop giving money to yeah. the NDP. So what's the thing the, is, because a union member is a coerced member, a shareholder is a person who bought shares voluntarily. Nobody had a gun to his no, head no, to but they, go out and buy these shares. But they bought the shares with the expectation that they would get the dividends. It's the point I'm trying to make and they're not asked well, what's well, going to happen with those dividends. To me, if, if, a, if a large company is giving money to a political party, there may be a dividend in that that, we don't, that we're not discussing right now and that the shareholders recognize. Do you think it's an appropriate dividend? Uh, appropriate in what sense? Uh, it's certainly, I don't see anything inappropriate to spend your own money that you earned and that you have the authority to not, spend that has your, been given to it's you. my point. Right. It's not your money, it's your shareholders' money. Anyway, we've got to get back to the phones here. we got Frank waiting. Hi, Frank. How are you, Jim? Fine, thanks. Good. Uh, I just joined the program not long ago. I heard uh, the words union force and, and things like that. Uh -huh. um, it's kind of interesting, uh, over the last few years, the, the union that I belong to and the, uh, well, some of the other members, we've, we've tried to remove ourselves from, from the union. Uh, and there's, there's interesting reasons why. Uh, basically, it's because, uh, well, first of all, I, I work for a company, a sub-trade of a construction uh, company, and we belong to a local, and there's only one other company in London of all the other sub-trades of, uh, of the same trade. Uh, there's only two of us that are signatory to any union agreement. Yeah. And what, what uh, that poses as a problem is that uh, we have to compete with lower uh, labor costs, of course. Um, basically, Jim, unions make too much money, especially in the construction industry. I don't know about other sectors, but... In the construction industry, unions really, they're, uh, they're pretty outdated. Maybe if it was the 70s, I could see maybe how they were beneficial. But So what's the solution? Because you know at the beginning of the unions in the construction industry, at least one element of it, not the only element, but one element was that guys are being hired on a day-by-day -day basis, had no security, no sense that if I do a good job today, I'll have a job tomorrow. 
because it wasn't happening. You know that's where it came from. Right. Now, I agree with you that it, in, in some industries, and construction is one of them, it maybe has become distorted. But what, do you want to do away with it altogether? Or Absolutely, Jim. You want to go back to the way it was? There's no, there's no benefit uh, to us uh, from being in our, our union. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely none at all, Jim. Uh, I just received my uh, receipt from my union. The union dues that I paid, yep. and it's over nine hundred dollars for the last for the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it's it's about twenty three bucks a month. Plus, did, did you uh, work all year? An hour. Did you work all no, year? No, no, oh. we haven't worked all year, okay. probably since nineteen eighty nine, Jim. Okay. And uh, the number one reason is because of the labor cost. We can go down the road and work for the other guy, make less money, uh, perhaps work more. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't you now, do that then? No, well, interestingly enough, that's what everybody says. Well, why don't you go work for him then? Well, uh, it's the sort of company where we are now that we want to stay working for. It's, it's a very reputable company. That's They've your been choice around then. for a long, long time. Uh, the, the management is, is the best to work for. We feel very secure there without having anything tied to the union. You can also decertify if you can no, organize. No, we cannot. As a matter of fact, anybody I, can decertify. No, you can't. As a matter of fact, can. sir, I've tried to do that myself along with a couple of other fellows over the last few years, and uh, I've been in touch with my MP, uh, who didn't really want to help too much because they were uh, unionized as well. Um, we've, we've really tried to, and what it takes is for the whole province of, of our local, the whole province, uh, and that's... Uh, consisting of I don't know how many members it's got to be up near 2,000 to 3,000 members they would all have to vote well, you're saying it's hard but that's not no, to say no. you can't they would all have come to on vote. Jeff. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like I don't understand that it's like saying you know it, you could you could jump from Europe to North America it's not easy really to get wanted. unions in it's not easy to get unions out it's hard to do change but listen, why, why would they want to let it's not us. hard it's impossible no, they it's won't want to let us remove ourselves from the union because they're, they're uh, um, de-strengthening their numbers. Yeah, exactly. Frank, yeah. i got to leave it there, but I appreciate your call and your thoughts today. Okay. Thank you, sir. Jeff, i got to follow up on that, because that's, yeah. ri- that's ridiculous. <laughs> you, you, you can't, and, and there's a couple of instances, a guy named Randall Klein, who's been fighting a battle of the people at his factory. Oh, I've heard about Randall Klein. For a number of years. Yeah, I know about uh, that. Well, you know, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, you know about the, pe- or, no, the people who work for him. Okay. In any case, it is not. In a practical sense, it is it, 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 what they're talking about. It is extremely difficult to decertify a union because you cannot do it with just the people in the in the local who want to do it. So, well, I, so for all practical purposes, it's impossible. I guess I, you know I, it may be where I come from. I'm used to dealing with issues that are hard to get anywhere on. I'm used to trying to, to do social issues where it's extremely hard to get change. So, for my end of it, it's like, well, that's what we do. We plug away at it to try and get change. Right now, these guys have got the most sympathetic government they're ever going to have provincially. Mm-hmm. If they they can't talk those guys into making changes that are that are sympathetic to them. Then they, there's something wrong. Like this government does not support unions. If these guys get organized politically, they should be able to get the changes they want. And they already have. There've been substantial changes mm-hmm. to labor law already. Uh, Bill Seven was a huge change. Uh, brought back the right to bring in uh, uh, replacement workers, for instance, during strikes. So I say to him. No, nothing in life is easy, but if this is an important issue, you'll never have a better time than now to accomplish that change. We have to pause for a moment. We'll be back with more on Talk of the Towns, left, right, and center. And our next caller is uh, Terry. You've got some information about forwarding your dues to charity. Is that right? You're talking to Terry? Yes. Yes. Uh, under our article, uh, the Public Service Alliance of Canada, the Master Agreement, mm-hmm. uh, where they are, you know, the employers taking dues out of your out of your pay. Right. There's a, a clause that says an employee who satisfies the employer to the extent that he or she declares in an affidavit 
that she's a member of, a, or he or she's a member of a religious organization that's registered under the Income Tax Act. Yes. And um, whose doctrine prevents them from a matter of conscience uh, making a financial contribution to an employee organization can make a contribution to a charitable or organization equal to the dues. But you couldn't do it if it was just your personally held no. belief. No, it sounds like we have to, it has to be under... Yeah because of a, relig a religious belief. Okay. What religion that would be? I, I do too. Sounds to me like another yeah. part of another one of those Rand deals that doesn't sound funny. <laughs> is that just the agreement that you have there, Terry? Or yeah, is it's, that, in, is it's that under our master agreement. Law. Okay, that's just a separate agreement. Master agreement yeah, yeah, it's under for the Public Service Alliance of Canada. Great. Thanks, thanks for calling, Terry. I really appreciate you doing okay. that. Okay, Thanks bye -bye. a lot. And uh, John joins us next. Hi, John. Uh, good morning, Jim. Yes, sir. Uh, hats off to you, Ben. Uh, you're right to wing supremacist uh, lost his argument with you. And the argument I'm talking about in particular was rather uh, a bizarre thing to say that he's of the opinion that the majority have not the right to impose their will on the minority. Well, they don't in an absolute sense, John. Well, well morally, they, I'm speaking was, morally, John. I know legally they can do anything they want. No, no. Well, okay then, morally. Now, let's put it this way. Is, would this apply to the criminal who has a criminal intent? Wait a minute, let me finish. The argument is this. You're suggesting minority and moral values. The criminal has no moral values. Are you suggesting that we don't have the right to impose a moral value on him? No, you have the, the state has the right to protect individual rights. And if because a person has bad moral values, he's violating other people's rights, then the state has a right to intervene. But a then person who has bad morals and isn't bothering anybody, we can't bother him either. Then, then what and we don't. Then they argue that you can't legislate morality, and yet most of our legislation we don't comes down from we a moral right. viewpoint. But anyways, with regards to the RAND formula, which I'm well versed of, I took it a point to immerse myself in it some 30 years ago. The RAND formula basically ended up by, how shall we say, appeasing all and pleasing no one. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that was that there was, um, how shall we say, friction going on with regards to the union. So what Mr. Rand did basically was gave the union a little bit and gave the management a little bit, which created basically a new kind of status quo. What little bit did he give the management? I'm not clear on that. The, the right to, as far as workers was concerned, and scab labor. In other words, the management could close shop or it could hire other workers. Oh, okay. Right. Now then, uh, as time progressed and they saw the friction that was being caused by this, the Liberals and then the NDP, uh, realizing what the situation was, brought out legislation which eventually turned out that you couldn't hire scab workers. This was to prevent baseball bats on the line. And you know, as far as the fleck industry was concerned, what went on there yeah. another industry and what is... What is sad about the situation that this government now has completely reversed that philosophy regardless of its wisdom well john i've got a question for you though sure is it appropriate for government to respond to a situation uh, in order to prevent people from taking baseball bats to other people of course it is so so if you can how do you respond so, to it no, 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 wait, a minute, wait, to wait, wait a minute wait a minute so, Jim, so it's Jim. john john so it's okay then if i take a baseball bat and i threaten to beat bob's brains in if the government doesn't give me what i want 
that's okay for me to do that, and, and if the government gives in to me, then that's okay. That's Jim, justified. Jim, Jim. Answer the question, please, Jim, John. Well, I'm asking you to try and understand what I'm saying. No, Possibly no, I'm, I'm asking you to answer. I'm asking you to answer the question, John. The is it okay? Is, well, I'm answering it. What usually starts the business on no, no. On, on, uh, on the line to start with? It's because the management hire their goons, or they bring in the OPP, as they did with the fleck industry, mm -hmm. and they demonstrated their power, mm -hmm. and the union tried to demonstrate their power in a most uncivilized manner. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about civil approach, a civilized approach to a problem, okay. which neither side seems to be able to adopt. Doesn't civilization demand that force be abolished from human relationships? That's, that's what right. they're doing, though. But that's not what a union is based on. And John's no, sitting no, here no, calling no, and no, comparing no, based on. No, no, you, the point is this. The employer invariably aggravates the situation by either relying on the OPP, relying on the government well, of does, the day, I'm sorry, and not John. relying on no, good judgment. John, you can't use the word invariably. Come on. You, you, you can't say that every employer every employer is out to screw the employees. He has a right to protect no, his property. What I'm saying is but there was violence on the lines, and it came from both sides. And that, that this legislation, my understanding was to try and say, instead of doing it with baseball bats, let's get do it with lawyers you or some other blunt exactly. instrument. You cannot, you cannot say it came from both sides. And if we're talking about business, business versus business, is not the union, and are they not well advised to adopt business practices when they're dealing with business people? I, I, w I would think they would be, yes. But one of the complaints, and I'm not making it today, but one of the complaints that has been made against some unions in some situations is they've adopted distinctly unbusinesslike attitudes to the detriment of their members. Well, you're talking about uh, as far as Jews is concerned. No, no I'm talking. No, the I'm Rand formula was that everybody paid Jews because, on the basis that everybody got the benefit of the union, what? whether it was a good benefit or a bad benefit, you paid Jews. So, what about uh, my dear old dad who paid more money than he ever got out of the union? Eh? Did you not hear me tell the story earlier? My dad, who was forced to join the union, uh, was forced to go on strike four different times, strikes that had nothing to do with his part of the business, and calculated that it cost him thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, that he ne well over $15,000, that he never recovered, and yet he was forced to pay dues to this uh, union that cost Jim, him all this money. Jim, Jim, there are sacrifices. I made sacrifices. Oh, okay, Listen, okay. When I worked at Richard Wilcox... No, John, I'm sorry. No, John, I haven't got time. No, I haven't got time to wait a minute. We've got a break for commercials, but I thank you for your call today, and we'll be back right after this. Well, we are just about out of time here. I want to uh, come back, if I may, to our original premise here, which we were talking specifically about University of Western Ontario, and I want to ask each of you guys the same simple question. Do you think this is a proper atmosphere for an institution of higher learning? Is the idea that, that, that they've got to bring in a union, is this conducive to this atmosphere of academe and so on, or is it a neg negative? Jeffrey? Well, unions have come a long way from their blue-collar roots, and, uh, you know, say, I'm, I'm in a union, effectively, uh, we've got all kinds of professionals who are in unions nowadays, so I don't think there's any reason to say that just because people are uh, in academe that it's not appropriate to have a union there. Unions have been yeah, sort of coming and going over the years. It's only about 30% of the workforce that are unionized. Um, but I personally like unions. They've been good to me, and uh, if the people at Western want them, they should get one. Bob? Um, I, I think that to a large degree the environment on the universities in our country has already been compromised and that this isn't going to help. But uh, it seems to me that a union's trying to be used as one type of force to fight the good kind of forces, which I support, which I call market forces, and which I was trying to get a distinction of earlier in the show. Like, you know, yes, administration has certain power, but so, so do the owners, so, the, so do the employers, so do the students. 
Everyone has that power. As soon as one group unionizes, it has more power than the rest of them because it has to be a constant negotiation. So it's not even really, I, I can't even say it's a two-way street. It's a multi-level street. There's all kinds of, quote, forces in there, the good mm -hmm. kind, which is people's desires and wills and what they want to do and what they want to get. It's interesting, through our whole discussion day, today, we never really discussed you know the outcome or the quality of education or or the student or the customer in this case well know, because we're really assuming we're yeah. assuming that we're in it for the kids right to yeah. use so, a soft so, use phrase so we did start on that assumption but to me i don't think you can just eliminate them from the equation they are uh, the most important force and to me i think that students should have freedom of choice and and be able to um, you know, attend the kind of learning institutions that they want. And I don't think it's, and I'm not talking about giving them that choice through government grants and right. uh, and freebies. Jeff, what's your guess? Is this going to pass? Uh, I think that it will, uh, given the climate. And, and I think that as well, the other thing that we're going to see in the next couple of years is a lot more um, labor unrest. And I think that labors are the, or labor is really the, the thing that's going to start wages going again. We're starting to see some small increases uh, with some of the collective agreements where there have been large profit increases. And I'm looking forward to labor getting the pump going for well, pay then, raises then, for then us then again. Then you're saying the raises <laughs> came out of profits, not out of labor union <laughs> movement. <laughs> uh, I noticed again, and Jeff did mention that uh, he was a member. Still are, or was this, is this abrogated? Well, there are bargaining agent, but uh, Mike Harris made it illegal for lawyers to be in unions. So. Okay, uh, but you are a member of the Brewery Workers Union. Did you get a cut on the beer? They're a great union, I tell you. Yeah? I recommend did, did, you get, did you get a cut on the beer is what I want to know. Can't tell. It's a union secret. Uh, okay. <laughs> my thanks to Jeff Schlammer, Bob Metz, and all of our callers today for the whole show, too. A very enjoyable show from my perspective. I, I learned a lot about what you think about some important issues today, and I hope you got the chance to think about them yourself, too. And, you know, maybe change your mind. Maybe not. Maybe confirm what you already believe. In any case, that's what we're here for every day, and we'll be back tomorrow to do the same. On Friday, we have an expert on the Titanic joining us. So don't miss that. It's going to be a fun show. Um, tomorrow we've got Nose to Nose with Ms. Don and a whole bunch of other stuff. For Jeff and for Bob and for Ryan and for Don, it's Jim saying please take care of each other. Mind how you go, and we will see you tomorrow on the next Talk of the Town. Bye-bye.